Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you as we go to your word right now. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We want less of man and more of you. I pray for everyone here today, whatever they may be going through. Maybe some have wayward children. Lord, I pray you would comfort them and draw their children back unto you. Some may be going through difficulties in their marriage. We pray for your healing touch upon their marriage. Some may be here, Lord, that are struggling financially. Lord, we pray that you are Jehovah Jireh, Lord God, our provider. We pray you would provide. We have some that are dealing with issues at work, dealing with issues with family. And Lord, I know there's some here maybe aren't walking with you the way they should be. Draw them back closer into yourself today. And Lord, we pray if there's even one person here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation, that your kingdom would be added to, that no one would leave here without an intimate relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we ask that you're, again that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what you would say to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. let me catch you up and then we'll get into the text. So as we come to James again this morning, it was written by James, the brother of Jesus. So he grew up the younger brother of Jesus, but did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after he rose from the dead. He's later referred to as James the Just, and he was uh, in a position of authority over all the churches in Jerusalem. And as he writes this letter, it's one of the first books written in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, that the church is under heavy persecution, and they're being attacked for their Christian faith, and they're being scattered all throughout the known land. So this letter was not written to a city, you know, book of Ephesus, written to the church at Ephesus. This is written to the church in general, and that includes us. And so we're going to see as we go through this, just some real practical things. My son, Mark, this was his favorite book in the Bible. And a lot of people love this book because it's kind of like Proverbs in the New Testament. It's very practical. It gives us great ways to apply our faith to our daily lives. So we see that so far what he has talked about, first he talked about counting it all joy when you fall into various trials. We all go through trials and difficulty. It's a part of the Christian walk. God allows the trials to come into our life that we might be molded more into the image of our Savior. See, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And God allows the trials to come into our life because he desires to do a work in us. We talked about how it talks about patience in the midst of these trials, and the word there in the original language is hupomone, and it means to stand under. So when we're going through trials, as we stand under that trial, we don't stand alone. God is for us. Who can be against us? Amen? The Lord is with us. He walks with us through the trials, and the main thing we need to do is take our eyes off the storm and keep our eyes on the Lord. Remember that he's a faithful God, a loving God, and a merciful God. He's all-powerful, and he knew it was coming, and he comforts us in the midst of it. Well, after talking about trials, which do come from the Lord, we saw him talking about temptation. You know, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, temptation, while trials come from the Lord to mold us more into the image of our Savior, temptation comes from the enemy to draw us away from God. Now, the thing about temptation is it isn't just an opportunity to fail, it's an opportunity to grow. Because every time we're tempted, if we resist the devil, he flees from us and we grow in our walk with the Lord. So temptations do come. The enemy knows what your weakness is 
He will attack you in that area. Ask in faith without doubting. Seek the Lord. And lack, you know, ask for wisdom and direction. Enduring temptation comes again, not from the Lord, but from the enemy. And he gives us a way to respond to temptation. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Boy, that would save a lot of our problems. Amen? Be swift to hear. He gave us two ears and one mouth, use them proportionately. Amen? And we should listen and be still and be slow to speak. You see something on, you know, your feed on Facebook and you're lighting somebody up without even thinking about it. And guys, we need to be faithful and slow to wrath. We saw earlier in the text, it says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be angry and sin not. Then he exhorts them to put feet to their faith, to go beyond behavior into belief, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm going to be speaking at a, the, one of the churches that we help plan in Santa Cruz in a few weeks. And usually God will show me when I, while I'm studying, and this is what I'm going to teach three weeks from now, up at, when I go to do my mom's funeral up in Santa Cruz, and I stay there on this Sunday. Because I really, my time studying this yesterday was some of the most grace-filled time I've had in my life. And I want to encourage all of you to be attentive today, because this is something that people struggle with. It, is it faith or is it works? You know, it, well, if I, but if I have faith, I don't have to have work. Well, when I'm not trying to earn my way to heaven like the Jehovah's Witnesses are knocking on my door, am I? I'm not trying to, like the, you know, my, I'm not trying to earn heaven. I can't earn heaven, so I'm saved by faith. And that's absolutely true. But it's faith alone that saves us, but the faith that saves us is not alone. Amen? It's faith plus, it's not, it's not faith or works or faith plus works, it's faith that works. Amen? And we're going to see that in this morning's text, and we're going to be a little challenged this morning, and that's okay. And I pray that we'd be attentive. So grab your outline, let's take a look at it, and then we'll dig into the text. I want to say this, too, before we do the outline. Some people, I'm super transparent, there are people that don't believe James is supposed to be in the Bible. There are literally people that don't believe James should be in the Bible. You know why? Because it emphasizes works, and Paul emphasizes faith. And they act like those two things are at odds with each other. By the time you leave here today, if you are paying attention, you will know that that's not the case. They don't compete with each other. They're both needed. Amen? Are you going to see that this morning? Because, you know, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And we absolutely know that that is true. But see, the thing about it is true faith does more than say that I believe. True faith is reflected that our behavior changes. Amen? Now, we're all sinners. We all still may have areas that we struggle with. We're all going to sin every day. Amen? We're sinners saved by grace, but it's not enough to say you believe. We'll see that in a moment because, you know, the demons believe and tremble. Eighty-something percent of Americans say they believe in God. How's that working out? You know, just to say you believe in God, that's not enough. You can't know about Him. You need to know Him. You know, we're the bride of Christ. Are you married to Jesus? He's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and the last thing you think about at night. Is he the one you turn to for comfort? Is he guide and lead and direct every part of your life? Are you walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Or is God something that you think about every third Sunday when your team has a bye in the NFL and you go to church? 
right? Is it something that you do from time to time? Is it, you know, the relative that you only visit on Christmas and Easter? Amen? So Paul's writing in urgency, was writing in urgency, and now we're going to see that James is going to give us the balance Again, to those facing great persecution and trials, having been scattered abroad, being tempted, he's going to let them know that faith without works is dead. So let's begin there with looking at the outline. I tell the message, faith that works. Again, it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that, that works. True faith produces an action. And I'm going to do this repeatedly through the message today. I'm going to let you know it's not works-based salvation. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. But when you have truly been saved, you will change. This will date me. Most of you don't even know who he is. Who's heard of Stephen Curtis Chapman? Okay. And he talked about, he has a song called, What About the Change? What About the Difference? Talks about having your Christian fish on the back of your car, wearing Christian t-shirts, carrying your Bible around. But if your life hasn't changed, guys, if, if money doesn't change, Sunday doesn't count. Amen? Amen? If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you will be radically different than the world. And here's the reality. We're not radically different enough. And we need to be. Amen? And we need to quit molding into the culture. We need to make a stand for the Lord and be unashamed of the gospel. One thing about having my son go to heaven, I'm more excited about heaven than ever, and I'm more fearless than I've ever been because you cannot threaten me with heaven. Amen? The joy. By the way, I just was praying, and I thought, Look, what would my son say to me? He'd say, Dad, heaven's great. Can't wait till you get here, but you're not done. And you better keep preaching Jesus because I've seen heaven and they, need, they all need to come here. And then gave me a list of names I wrote down of his friends that, he want, that I know he'd want me to witness to. And you pray for me because I'm going to be calling on them one at a time. And I'm going to go see them all. And I'm going to make sure that they, I'm going to talk to the counselor. I'm going to talk to everybody I can. Guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen. And I pray that there's an urgency in our heart. So true faith produces an action. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can this faith save him? We'll talk about that. An example of dead faith. Dead faith talks a lot, does nothing. A lot of people love to tell you how spiritual they are. They especially love to tell you when they find out you're a pastor. And I should be amazed by the time they're done with their long list of how amazing they are and what a blessing. God, what would God do without you? Man, you're so amazing. But the reality is that if we truly walk with the Lord, we don't come boastful. We come in humility and brokenness. Amen? An example of dead faith. Then we'll see a living faith cannot be separated from good works. It just can't be. And we'll see why in the text. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And then we're going to look at examples of living faith and pray for me. We're going to see Father Abraham willingly offering up his son as a sacrifice. And then we're going to see Rahab, the Gentile prostitute, her faith in God seen in her actions. We get an example of Father Abraham and a Gentile prostitute, and both of them, their faith was seen in their actions. Amen? So let's begin there in verse 1, true faith produ- or verse 14, excuse me. True faith produces an action. And look what it says there. It says, What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? 
Now, there's a key word to this because this verse throws people off, and the people that want a workspace salvation will go to this verse, and they'll say, see, faith can't save him if he doesn't have works. Now, we're saved by faith, but I want you to notice the key word to this whole verse. If you have your pen out, get ready to underline it. Here's what it says. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? Not it doesn't say has faith. He says he has faith. I believe in God. Oh, yeah, there's a God. I believe in God. I believe there's a God. 80% of America. I believe there's a God. Guys, it's not enough to say that you have faith. It's not enough to say you believe in God. If I said I was married, but you never saw me with my wife, I never introduced her to you, I never spent any time with her, I never brought her to church, I, ne- you, I was alone always, never, never associated with her ever, never saw her with me, would you really think I was married? And if you did, you'd think, that's a horrible marriage, bro. <laughs> Amen? We have people claiming to be Christians, but you'd never know it, other than maybe they sit you know, in a pew or a chair on a Sunday once in a while. Guys, it should be so evident to the world that you're a born-again Christian. It's the difference between being dead and alive. If you walk into a morgue and one of them gets up, everyone notices, amen? <laughs> and we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and now we are new creations in Christ, and it ought to be that evident to a lost and a dying world. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so, guys, we should be different, and radically different. So, the word it says doesn't say that this person is truly saved. It doesn't say he's a believer, but a sayer. He's a professor. I actually kind of like that. He's a professor and knows nothing. Amen? Got a few of those. Amen? His only evidence of whether or not he is saved are found in his words, but they're not seen in his actions. So can a faith that says but doesn't do really save? Is one really saved if he only says but never does? Can a saving faith exist that is void of good works or a changed life or a walking in obedience or the conviction of the Holy Spirit? The answer is no, no, and no. Does not mean a person's life is going to be perfect. I'm trying to keep him out of messages, but he's on my heart all the time, so I can't help it. All of you know my son struggled with depression. All of you know he struggled with addiction off and on throughout his life, and, and he went to heaven. But you know what? My son loved Jesus in a big way. And if you knew him for 15 minutes, you would know it. Outgoing, love the Lord, heart for people. So it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, Amen. Doesn't mean, because we can all find our pet sin that we think could disqualify us all. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. King David is a murderer and an adulterer, and he's in God's hall of faith. Samson was a, a philanderer. He's in God's hall of faith. Isn't it good that God remembers our good works and forgives our failures? That's the God we serve, amen? But faith without works is dead. We can't just do nothing. Can faith save him? Can this type of fruitless faith save him? Of course, true faith can save him, but faith is maybe the most abused word in the Bible. Watch TBN sometimes, the Trinity Broadcast Network. And if you're watching it, God bless you. And I hope you find the one, you know, it's like going to the, it's like going to the rack. You know what the rack is, right? It's where they have all the clothes. About every 10th garment's okay. And the rest of them, not so much. Amen. 
And that's TBN. Now, here's what I'm saying, though. The point I'm making is they talk about faith. You've got to have faith. Gotta... It's not about faith. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. It's not faith in faith. Well, I'm a person of faith. What kind of faith? And follow that up. Next time you hear someone say that, that should come right out. I'm a person of faith. What kind of faith? Amen? Show me your faith by your works. Amen? What kind of faith? Can a man's words alone save him when his actions deny what he confesses? The inference here is very clear. This empty type of fruitless faith is not faith at all. And it is impossible for someone to truly come to saving faith in Christ, to be broken, repentant, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, and not have it be reflected in a changed life. It's impossible. The Holy Spirit won't let you stay the same if he's living in you. Amen? He will comfort you. He will convict you. He will drive you. He will stir you up. He's almighty God living inside of you. Amen? We need to, be, to recognize that. There's been no change. There's been no salvation. Here's what I want to say. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about entering into a relationship. Amen? Now, we do altar calls here. I'm going to do one today. Give you a chance to pray to invite Jesus into your life. But here's the reality. If you pray that prayer and there's no sincerity in your heart and you don't truly surrender and put the Lord on the throne, you don't repent and turn away from your old life, doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but recognize your desperate need for the Lord. If nothing changes, we're mouthing words to a prayer that means nothing. Amen? Our church in Santa Cruz, we, used to, we were right on the Pacific Garden Mall and a lot of homeless people. And I would say, look, if we, if we handed out $100 bills at the door and said, come on in and pray this prayer, how many people do you think would come in and do it? All of them. All of them. See, what's your motivation? What is it that drives you to pray that prayer? Why do you cry out to the Lord? Is it because you feel convicted in the moment? Or is it because you recognize, you know what, I'm a sinner. I need to get right with God. You know what? I'm headed for hell without the Lord. You know what? My life is a total disaster. You know what? I need to be saved. I can't believe he loves me. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. Here I, Lord, I surrender my life to you. That's true repentance. Amen? Not just, well, well, maybe he's right. Let me just pray this prayer just in case. Let me get a get out of hell free card and put it in my wallet just in case. Right? That's not what he's talking about here. He's being so clear. Can faith save him? True faith, you're born again. True faith, you go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And the difference should be just as clear as the contrast, as we said, between those who are dead and physically and those who are alive physically. It's easy to pick out a living person in a room full of corpses, and it should be just as easy to pick out a Christian in a room full of people that don't know God. Amen? The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. If you love me, you'll obey me. True salvation is more than just belief in your head, but a transformation in your heart that produces a change in your actions. True faith produces change. No change, no true faith. Amen? I do lots of funerals. I've never done one where the people didn't think the person who died was saved. And I understand that. And I appreciate it. And I totally get it. But a lot of times it'll be, well, when they were four years old, they 
prayed the sinner's prayer in Sunday school, never had anything to do with God the rest of their life. Now they're 85 years old. He was a philanderer, party. I mean, his life was a disaster. There's no evidence, but he prayed that prayer when he was four. Don't put your faith in a prayer that you prayed. Your faith should be recognized by the life that you now live. And again, we all continue in sin. I'm not saying that there's a, you know, that we're, we're, God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades at the cross. Amen. It's your faith in Christ alone. But if you truly have faith in Christ, your salvation will be seen in your actions. Sinners, the sinner's prayer is not magic words that promise heaven without transformation. It's not just a bunch of magic words that promise heaven without transformation. You see, a better question than have you prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you is have you truly been born again? Have you given your life to him? Are you filled with the spirit of the living God? You know what the Holy Spirit is? He's the, he's the third part of the Trinity, who he is, not what he is, who he is. He's the third part of the Trinity. He's also our down payment on heaven, according to Ephesians chapter one. How do you know you're going to heaven for sure? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Amen? I went back, I've texted with my son back to 2015. 75 times he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's doing, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers don't talk like that. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of the living God. We're unashamed of Him. And we should be unashamed of Him. Amen? Amen. Lord, help us. Shake us up. Are you walking in newness of life? Is your life producing fruit? Sadly, today, many call themselves Christians, yet months, years, even decades have gone by without any evidence of a transformed life. Two places I see this the most, lives that say one thing and live another, co-workers. I co-workers. That especially when you're going through a trial, oh, I'll say a prayer for you. Really, I've known you eight years, bro. I had no idea that you prayed to anybody. One of my coworkers, he is a loud mouth, curses God's name every chance he gets, has a short fuse, Mondays brags about drinking and partying, partying uh, has openly bragged about committing adultery multiple times, has never been to church in his life that I know of, and he says, I'm a Christian. Yeah, bro, I don't think so. No. I'm a duck. Can you swim? No. Got any feathers? No. Can you quack? No, not a duck, dude. Amen? <laughs> you can't just say, I'm a Christian. By your fruit, they will know you. Amen? There's got to be fruit. Truth is, a godless, fruitless, and sinful, uh, convictionless life is impossible for the spirit of a believer. It's not a prayer that's been changed, but a life that, it's not a prayer that's been prayed, but a life that's been changed. You're a new creation in Christ. Guys, when you get saved, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You were once dead and now you're alive. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You have the promise that when you close your eyes on earth, you're gonna open them up in glory. You won't, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible joy. You're never, ever alone, ever again, Amen. He's always with you. If he would open up the skies around you, just like the prophet Elisha, he would be able to show you a chariots of angels that surround you when you're going through difficulty. You would recognize it's a spiritual battle that you're fighting, and our God already wins. I read at the end of the book, God wins. Yay, God, we're on his team. Praise the Lord. He's our heavenly father. He's not our heavenly distant cousin. He's our dad. Abba, Father, is somebody whose lap we can crawl up into. Amen. Guys, when you're born again, it all changes, and it's radical. 
And it can't just be, well, I prayed a prayer. Come and get out a whole free card. Ah, if there's a God, I got that covered. Not so much. I want to say this too. If that's where you are, you're missing out. You're missing out. Amen? It's 30 goes, it was a month ago today my son went to heaven. Here's the good news. God is giving me peace more and more every day. I just keep envisioning my son in heaven. I can't wait to see him again. You know what? All he did was take my son from a place of despair and put him into a place of glory. And he's safely home. And I got to hang, I got to hang out with him for 28 years. Thank you, Lord. But you know what? Without the Lord, if he did not have the Lord, I don't know what I'd do. Guys, the number one place your kids should hear about Jesus is from you. The number one place that your wife should be giving devotions is from you, husband. Amen. Your grandkids, your kids, your neighbors ought to all know you're saved. Amen. Everywhere we go, this is our mission field. This is what we're called to do. And again, the faith, a true faith produces an action. We got a vapor of time to be about it for the kingdom of God. Let's not be so caught up in the things that, look, go to work, do your job as unto the Lord. We'll talk about that. But guys, true faith produces an action. Number two, an, an example of dead faith. Look what it says. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart, be in peace, be warmed and be filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That's also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now notice it says a brother, because here's the conviction. One of the things I loved about Mark, Mark would do this often. I'd buy him a big meal. He didn't like to buy meals. He ate $1 things at the dollar store. But I remember, you know, I would buy him a big thing of Mexican food. We'd be driving home. We'd get to a stoplight. He'd see a homeless person. He'd jump out and give him the food I just gave him. And hey, dad, you got any tracks? He'd give him a track and he'd pray for the guy and then get back in the car. And he goes, he needed it more than me. I'm like, you're right. We can split mine. Amen. You know what I mean? You're, you're right. You're right. Convicted dad. Holy Spirit head slap. Amen. But, I, but, so, but here's the hard part. So do we just go give to every homeless person around? Should we all just sell our houses and just go give out food until it all runs out and we could be homeless with them? Is that... I want you to see what this verse says. And again, I believe when the Lord leads you, help anybody and everybody. Amen? But look what this verse says. If a what? A what or a what? A brother or a sister. So if somebody in the body of Christ is hurting, we as believers are commanded by God to help them. Amen? Amen. And it should be a get to, not a have to. Because everything we have belongs to the Lord. I've never cared less about money than I do now. I could care less. I just don't care. What is a profit of man? He gains the whole world, loses his own soul. God will provide. We'll pay our bills. We'll have a place to sleep. But what else do we need? Amen? And what happens is we get so caught up in making more that we miss out on being used by the Lord. And here's the exhortation that he says in that verse that if, you know, you just give them lip service. Oh, oh, brother, I'm so sorry what you're going through. Go and be warm and be filled. Be at peace. And then go get in your Mercedes and drive your house in Hidden Hills, right? <laughs> and leave the guy, you know, hungry and naked. Lord, help us. Amen? Now, balance. 
We don't prop up sinful behavior. That's why we have a whole counsel of God, amen? So if somebody refuses to work, if somebody's lazy, if someone's walking open rebellion against God, and you know if you give them the money, they're going to do something that's contrary to the word of God with it, don't do it. Love them. Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Maybe take them into, you know, a place and, and buy them a meal. But don't promote sinful behavior. Amen? But this says if a brother or sister... So let me just make this. I'm going to say this right now, and all the other pastors are here right now. If you are hurting financially, and you're doing everything you can to work, and you can't pay your mortgage, we'll pay it. Do you hear what I just said? If you don't have comfortable with that, don't tithe here, because we're going to love on people. We're going to minister to people, and we're going to make sure people that are hurting are taken care of. Can I get an amen to that? That's what the Word of God says, doesn't it? That's what God says. All our pastors here have jobs. We have the ability to be on the radio and do a lot of things because we're not, you know, support. So we, we want to minister to people that are hurting in this fellowship. If you're hurting, we want to help you. Amen? Now, if you show up and say, well, I haven't worked in three and a half years. I'm watching Netflix, and can you pay? No. 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 Can I get an amen to that? Okay. Depart. Be at peace. Be warm. Be filled. Dead faith speaks a lot and does nothing or does little. You know what real faith does? Speaks little and does a lot. Right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. Doesn't broadcast it to the world. Amen? Hey, bro, you need help? Here, let me help you. Let me minister to you. And then doesn't tell 10 people. Look, guess why I helped today? Right? No. We're doing it for the Lord. How many of you guys know who Keith Green is? He's going to age you. Your hand's up. You're old like me. Okay. <laughs> he died in the 70s, okay? So if you can listen to Keith Green and not be convicted, you're not saved. That brother, straight up conviction. I listen to him a lot while I'm studying. He has a song called Asleep in the Light. Let me just read a little bit to you. It says, do you see, do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care, don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job's done. Oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know it's all I ever hear. No one aches, no one hurts. No one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for your needs. And you just lay back and keep soaking it in. Can't you see it's such sin? Because he brings people to your door and you turn them away as you smile and say, God bless you, be at peace. All heaven just weeps because Jesus came to your door. You left him out in the street. Open up, open up and give yourself away. You've seen the need, you've heard the cry, so how can you delay? God's calling and you're the one. Like Jonah, you run. He told you to speak, but you keep holding it in. Oh, can't you see it's such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you can't even get out of your bed. Amen. There's some conviction there. Guys, it's got to go beyond what we say we believe. And needs to be seen in how we behave. The point driven home here is that words are not enough. To say you believe in God is not enough. 
If you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, it will produce fruit through you. But you do not give them the things which are needed. True faith, again, produces more than empty words. It produces action. True love produces more than words. It produces action. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Where there gave is agape, where you esteem others outside of yourself more than yourself. You guys have been the most amazing people for the last 30 days, loving on my family like I can't even describe. Thank you so much. But I know you're doing it because the Lord's prompting you to do it. And I want to say thank you for, for showing what real faith looks like by your actions. Amen? But guess what? We need to do that for more than just the pastor because he's the guy in the front that everybody knows. We need to do it for everybody here. Amen? And, then, and other people haven't come here yet. Amen? We all need to be ministered to. We all need to be available. We all need to have that eternal perspective. The world tells us when we give to the least among us, the word tells us when we give to the least among us, we're giving to the Lord. True faith produces an action. Dead faith produces only lip service. The body of Christ is called to minister to both the physical and the spiritual needs of those who are hurting. I was going to read a story, but for the sake of time, this is back in 1967. There's a man by the name of Doug Nicholas. He was with Operation Mobilization in India, and he had tu tuberculosis, and he was forced into a sanitarium with a bunch of other people that had TB, and you know it's a pretty deadly ailment. And so he said there was one man that he would wake up every night at the same time coughing, and he saw this one man was always trying to get out of bed, and he never could make it out of bed. And then he realized, because and I'm trying not to, I'll try to be gentle, but he was trying to go to the bathroom, and he would always fall back in his bed and couldn't make it. It would make the room stink. He'd get ridiculed by everybody in the room. So the following night, he was coughing, and he saw the man trying to get out of bed, and he went over, and he picked him up. The man was older. He was able to pick him up, and he carried him into the bathroom, which in India, just a hole in the ground, and he helped the man and took care of him and cleaned him up and put him back in his bed. And when he put him back in his bed, the man kissed him on the cheek. And see, before all this had happened, he'd been trying to give out tracts that were in their language because he didn't speak their language. And he kept trying to give out tracts, but nobody would take one. Well, after what he did for that man, the next day, everybody came over and said, I want one of those little booklets you were handing out. Can I have one of those? And he said, you know what? God used me not because I spoke the language, and not because I'm some great orator, but because I simply got, helped somebody go to the bathroom. You know, sometimes it's the simple things that open the doors for great opportunities to share the gospel. Amen? We just want to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and just walk about our day going, Lord, show me an opportunity. I wasn't going to share this, but I will. Yesterday, I was driving to go study, and I was just crying out to the Lord. And I was like, Lord, I just want a glimpse of heaven. And only can, I only imagine, I haven't heard the radio in two years, comes on my radio. And I'm just singing with the Lord about heaven. And I was going to go to one gas station. I pull into another one. And the lady in front of me had a sticker about her son in the military. And below it had a sticker that he had passed away. And she heard this music in my car. And I got out, asked about her son. Long story short, I'm hugging her, loving on her, praying with her. Can God put you in the right gas station at the right time? Can God open opportunities? See, guys, we, we're so busy thinking about what we've got going on in life. We're walking by divine appointments all day long. Amen? And the most important thing we're going to do today is minister to somebody else, is love on somebody else, is speak the truth to somebody else. 
Amen? And guys, we just need to pray, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity, Lord, please. And look, I want to make it clear. I want to make myself the hero of every story. A lot of times I walk by divine appointments too. Anybody else besides me? Amen? You're so about whatever you're doing and you walk right by them and I've done it and I know I'll get the full count when I get to heaven. I'm not going to be happy about it. Amen? But it's often the simplest kindness that opens the door for the gospel. And praise God for it. I have, a more of, I have a more of a burden today to see people get saved than I ever have, and I've always had a big one, but it's bigger even now. Verse 17 says, Thus, also faith by itself does not have works, is dead. Faith alone saves us, but must be a living faith. Faith alone saves us, but it's a faith that's not alone. The faith that produces only empty words and produces no works is dead. The word dead there is necros, one that has breathed his last, has departed, is destitute of force or power, one who only professes but does not have true faith. True faith produces a change and fruitful life. If there's been no change, there's been no salvation. Think about your own life. How do you compare to your unsaved friends? You ought to be radically different. Amen? Are you entertained by the same things? Are you driven by the same things? Do you have the same passions? Do you have the same priorities? If you do, you need to repent. Amen? Okay, we know you're grieving, but Pastor Dave, get off my neck. No, here's the reality. <laughs> We're going to get more of this around here, so get used to it. Amen? Heaven is not that far away. And people need Jesus. And when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And a man is no fool who gives it what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. Start, you don't, you know, oh, well, I guess I have to quit my job. No, here, your job is your mission field. Amen? Brett's training people. Divine appointment. Chelsea's working on, you know, taking care of her patient. Divine appointment. Each of you, wherever you are, you go into work, divine appointments are coming. Amen? And so here's my opportunity to tell people about the Lord. Help us, Lord. Faith without works is dead. Amen? Point number three, a living faith cannot be separated from good works. Look what it says in verse 18 and 19. It says, but you will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You, be, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So this whole, you have faith, I have works. Some will try to separate faith and works. They may try to say, I have the gift of faith, but I don't have the gift of works. I have the gift of faith, but I don't have the gift of works. It's like people that tell me, yeah, I feel called to be a pastor. I just don't like people. <laughs> I've had that conversation Many times. Well, I love to teach the Bible, and I love to be up front, and I love this. I just don't love people. I'm like, bro, you're saying, I want to be a shepherd, and I hate sheep. Dude, that ain't going to work. <laughs> Pastor means servant. I'm here to serve you. Pastor's not here, and the people are here. People are here. Pastor's here. He's the under rower. Amen? So you cannot say, I have faith, but I'm just not into doing works. Because guess what? Works won't be a have to, they'll be a get to. Amen? I don't want to embarrass people. We have people come here early and set up all the chairs. And when that person wasn't here for two weeks, we all found out how hard that was. 
Amen. But when someone does it for the Lord, is there any greater thing we can do? If we're mopping the floor for Jesus, it's better than a $500 million stock deal. Amen? Because it's going to outlast this life. The rest of it's just getting a bigger pile of dirt. It's all going to burn. Amen? A bigger pile of dirt than you. Good for you. I'm going to heaven. Amen? <laughs> Heaven's better. James is making it clear in this verse you can't separate the two. If we really believe the gospel, it will change our behavior and it will give us a burden for the lost. If you don't care that people are going to hell, you need to get saved. Amen? Doesn't it burden you that while we're teaching, while we're sitting here worshiping for an hour and a half, tens of thousands of people are going into hell and be separated from Almighty God for all eternity? That ought to... Every believer this side of heaven should be burned for every unbeliever this side of hell. Now, we can't save them all, and we don't save anyone. God does, but we can be a tool to the ones we see tomorrow. Amen? The people that God, God implanted people and put them on concrete and nailed it down right next door to you. They ain't going nowhere. You can go talk to those people. Amen? They're going to be there tomorrow. Amen? You can build relationships. God makes people stand still so you can get at them. Amen? So the reality is that we need to recognize that this is an eternal thing. We're Life is so short, isn't it? Robert made me a, a rope a while back, and it was red about this much, and then the rope went for like 150 feet. And it was like, this is my life, and that's eternity. And by the way, I'm 58, so... Right? Right? And, and the reality is we, we're focused, so focused on the dash between the two numbers that will be on our tombstone when we ought to be thinking about everything that's going to happen beyond that number for all eternity. Amen? We need to have an eternal perspective. Lord, help us. You can't see faith without works. But you can demonstrate the reality of faith by your works. True belief is demonstrated by godly behavior. No godly behavior... No true belief. It doesn't mean you're sinless, okay? doesn't mean everybody that dies having sinned that we go, there'd be no one in heaven. Amen? But it's the difference is how you view your sin. You don't make excuses for it. It breaks your heart. It grieves you. Amen? You want a definition of the flesh? The spirit and the flesh are in a battle. Your flesh is what you do when you, when you leave God out of the equation, Amen? Your flesh is you without God. Your flesh is you doing what your, what your, your, your fleshly desires are. And your flesh will typically have one or two things it reverts to when it's going through a difficult time. Maybe drugs or alcohol. Maybe pornography. It may be chasing after money. It may be buying, shopping. Whatever. This thing you run to to bring you peace when you should be running to the Lord. Amen? So that battle between the flesh and the spirit, it's ongoing. We need to put the flesh to death. Amen? And it's, it's, and it's going to have something we're going to battle with till we get to heaven. And I'm thankful for God's grace. See, all this does not do away with God's grace. It's by grace we've been saved, not of works as any man should boast, by faith and by grace. Amen? It's truth. But because we've been saved by faith and but because of the grace of God, we will produce good works. Does that make sense? Hope we're grasping that. You believe there is one God. You do well. 
Believe in God, what so many gamble their eternity on. The text, believe in one God, not like many pagan gods. Believe there's one true and living God. Is that enough to assure one's salvation? Better still, what if one says, what if you said this? I not only believe in God, but I believe that Jesus is God. And I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he is the only way to heaven. Can you believe all of that and still go to hell? What's the answer? Yes. Why? Because it's not just believing that it is so, it's entering into a relationship with him. One of the best examples of that is Passover in the Old Testament. Now, you remember, it was the last of the plagues that delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. But if you remember what the Israelites were told, if they wanted the angel of death to pass over, that's why it's called Passover, and the oldest one in their family would be spared, they had to do something. They had to get a firstborn spotless lamb. Then they had to inspect the lamb. And then they had to kill the lamb and shed its blood. But do you know if they bought a lamb, inspected the lamb, and slayed the lamb, if that's all they did, the angel of death would still come through their home and their oldest would die. Here's what they had to do. They had to apply the blood of the lamb in the shape of a cross. See, it's not enough to believe there is a lamb. It's not even enough to believe that the lamb of God died on the cross. His shed blood needs to be applied to my life and yours, and then and only then will the angel of death pass over. Then and only then are we new creations in Christ and do we have the promise of eternal life. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, so, that, so it's not enough to believe there is a God. It's not enough, the demons believe and tremble. Has the shed blood of the cross of Calvary been applied to your life? Has the Holy Spirit come to live inside of you? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? No erasers on that book either. Praise the Lord. Amen? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? We stand before God on Judgment Day and he flips to the J's. My name's going to be there. Amen? Not because I'm good, but because of his grace but there should be good works because of his grace. Amen? I don't throw a lot at you, but that's what this is about. Well, there's only one true God. Is it enough to just believe that he is God, that he died on the cross? See, true confession and repentance, giving God the throne of your life, being filled with the Holy Spirit, again, that down payment on heaven. Who's on the throne of your life right now? It's real simple. You or God? And let's, let's make that, you are Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, amen? Are you on the throne? Do you run your life? Is it all about you? Do you make all the decisions for yourself? Do you feed your flesh? Do you seek after yourself? Or does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? Is Almighty God on the throne of your life and you're at his feet, amen? You're bowing before his throne. Who, will and reign, who rule and, rules and reigns in your life? Whoever rules and reigns in your life is who you're going to spend eternity with. Amen? One way God said to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Even the demons believe and tremble. You know, the demons have better theology than uh, most churches. Seriously. Do the demons know that Jesus is God? Do do they know he's the creator? They know they died on the cross. Do they know he rose from the dead? They've seen him face to face. Amen? Amen? They know who he is. They know what he's done. They know how powerful he is. They know all about him. They know that this Bible is 100% accurate. They believe that they know the whole counsel of God is true. Amen? There are a lot of churches that can't check the same box as the demons just did. Amen? 
And that's why it's important that we don't fall into the trap of not believing what we know to be true, what the word of God says. If you don't believe the whole counsel of God, you're not a Christian. Amen? Amen? If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and him alone, if you're, putting your, if you're hedging your bet with other gods, you're not a Christian. Amen? I'm not, I'm not getting angry with you. I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for you. If, if there's one person in this room that doesn't spend eternity in heaven, I am heartbroken. Don't leave here without him. Amen? We, know, we need to do better than the demons. Amen? Belief is not enough. If you just believe you're on par with the devil, how does that sound? Amen? Well, I believe there's a God. So does the devil. You guys are friends. I mean, you're on the same plot. You're the same place. He actually believes more than you do. Amen? True living faith cannot be separated from good works. If there's been no change, there's been no salvation. Final point, examples of living faith. We'll go through these. Now, this is amazing to me. We're going to get two very, very different examples, two different extremes. But we're going to show in both cases that their faith was seen in their works or their behavior. So the two people we're going to look at, first is Father Abraham and Lord help me. Look what it says here in verse 20. But you do, do, you, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? See, look, faith without works is dead. If you say you have faith and there's been no works, it is foolish to think that you can live a life void of good works without true obedience and spiritual growth and still be saved. Again, a faith that does not produce works and good works is a dead faith. And again, true living faith is seen in good works and obedience to God's word. Case in point, Abraham. Now look what it says. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. To me, from the perspective of a father, the most incredible act of faith and obedience outside of Jesus himself going to the cross is Abraham offering up his son Isaac on the altar. Cannot even imagine. As a father, few acts of faith impact me much as this one. See, God had told him miraculously when he was a hundred, you're going to have a son. What? Sarah laughed. That's why she laughed. Isaac means laughter. That's where he got his name. She laughed. What? I'm 90. What are you talking about? And having no kids? You got to be kidding me. And keep in mind, it was a curse throughout their life. You know, here's Rachel. Throughout her life, that, not Rachel, Sarah, that Sarah, they were cursed because Rachel was cursed also, where they didn't have children. That was viewed by often that you were cursed by God. Because if God had his hand on you, you would bear, you would bear, you would have children. So Abraham's promised, and then God brings the son. And you have to understand, if you study scripture, Isaac is not a little boy when he takes him up the mountain. He's in his 20s or his 30s, and I personally think he was probably 33 because he's a type of Christ. Amen? Now, what does he do? He goes to his wife, hey, I'm going to take Isaac, we're going to go up on the hill and offer sacrifice. Doesn't even tell his wife, because she would have stopped him in a minute. Amen? <laughs> They're going up the hill, and guess who's carrying the wood on his back? 
Who's, car- who's carrying it? Isaac's carrying the wood in his back. Mount Moriah. Do you know that Calvary is on the foothills of Mount Moriah? So Isaac is carrying the wood on his back up the same trek where Jesus carried the cross on his back until you know, it was removed and being carried for him. And as he's carrying it up the hill, his dad's a buck 30. He's 130 years old. Isaac could have whipped him without thinking twice, amen? But here's Isaac fully submitted, and he says to his dad, hey, dad, we got the wood, and we got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And he says, God will provide himself, not for himself. God will provide himself a sacrifice. Isaac freely lays down on the altar when he could have torn up his dad. You want to talk about an amazing picture. And then Abraham has this promise that all the nations that are in the world are going to be blessed through my son. He doesn't have any offspring yet. This doesn't make any sense to me. But God, you're telling me to do it, so I'm going to do it. That's faith. Amen? Okay? God's way wiser than us. We're all idiots compared to God. Amen? (laughs) Amen? But he's like, I don't understand how this is going to... I don't... He's the promise. He's the son of... You told me. The angel came. What do you, you want me to, okay. And he raises the knife. He's going to drive it through his son's chest. And God stops him and says, now I know that you won't, you know, put anything before me. And then a ram gets caught in the thicket. God provided himself a sacrifice. Amen. And through Isaac, all the nations of the world are blessed and Jesus would come. But see, here's Abraham it took faith. He had to have faith, this is in later text, that he believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. By the way, at that point in Scripture, no one had ever been raised from the dead. Nobody. But he believed it anyway. You guys will think I'm crazy. When I went to see my son, when we identified his body, I laid, I laid oils on, oil on his head, and I prayed that God would raise him from the dead because I know God could have done it if he wanted to. Amen? Amen? He chose to keep my son. It's okay. Guys, we have not because we ask not. Amen? And is that faith? Yeah, put your son down here. And grab this. Okay, he's the son of promise. Just go ahead. I don't understand. Do it anyway. I don't have to understand. I just know that God knows. I trust in his sovereignty. I trust in his character. I trust in his faithfulness. Amen? As long as we do that, we can trust him. Carrying the wood... Isaac submitting to the father like Jesus submitted to his father. The Lord provided himself a sacrifice. Abraham believed. Abraham obeyed. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Cesar, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. See, him stepping out in faith was what allowed that whole picture to take place. It's in scripture. We're reading it, you know, 4,000 years later. Why? Because he was a man of faith. By works, faith was made perfect. The word made perfect there is to complete, to carry through completely, to accomplish, to finish, to bring to an end. Abraham's faith was brought to its highest through his obedience. When you're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. Amen? See, our faith is that it's optimum when we just obey. Our faith is that it's optimum when we hear the still small voice and we just do what God says, not questioning or doubting. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Isaac had faith. It didn't make any sense, but God told him to do it, so he did it. Something powerful about that, amen? You can't see the faith. We had several people in, in uh, Santa Cruz. I can think of one gal in our church that felt called to Africa. She was a single gal. She sold everything she had and moved to Africa. Nobody waiting for her there. Just moved. We had another guy in our church that, that moved, I think it was, it was Pakistan or Nepal, I can't remember. But these guys just like, they sold everything and left and you're like, that's faith. Amen? You can't always see it tangibly, you know, you know when you, the feeling, but you can see it by the actions people take. Boy, that guy's got faith. That woman has faith. You can see it by how they stepped out and, you know, and got out of their comfort zone and were, were oh, they're just trusting the Lord. And I love that. It's made perfect. When we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. It says there in verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Can you think of anything better to be called than the friend of God? Are you a friend of God? Better yet, is he your best friend? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you, do you know him? Do you love him? Do you tell others about him? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Abraham's belief manifested in his behavior. He offered up his son. He trusted God to keep his promises, even if it meant raising him from the dead. His act of sacrifice was the total demonstration of his trust in God. It was his final maturing of his faith. People tell me a lot, my, my, sister, my pastors in Santa Cruz and stuff, they'd say, Pastor Dave, you've been given the gift of faith. I want to tell you something. I didn't have one-tenth of the faith that I have now. Didn't. You know why? Because you know when your faith is, it's the, it's the deeper the test, the more that your faith is, is tested. Amen? And I'm far, I'm, and I'm far from where I, I should be. Amen? But what I want to tell you is no suffering is wasted. Amen? No trial, no temptation, none of that. None of it's wasted. It can all be used for the kingdom of God and for his glory. I thought it was difficult when I spent nine months in the hospital and some of the things I went through. All of that was cake compared to what I'm going through now. But you know what? God allowed it. God's going to use it, and I'm going to praise him through it. Amen? And I know there's people here going through worse than I've gone through. And I know people are going through stuff right now, and I want you to know the Lord loves you. He's faithful. Your suffering is not being wasted. God is going to use it for his glory, I promise you, and you're going to grow through it if you will but trust him. Amen? Amen. And that's what we need to do. Let's finish. So there's a strong exhortation there. As these early Christians were struggling with obedience, with doubt, all the things that they were going through, and he gives them the example of Father Abraham. It says in verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So again, faith without works is dead. Finally, last point, Rahab. Now, Abraham, they could have said, well, that's Abraham. You're trying to compare me to Abraham. I can't be Abraham. He's the father of the faith. Of course, Abraham did that. Well, how about a Gentile prostitute? 
Can we try to measure up to her? Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> I can't be Abraham. Oh, well, let me give you another example. Look what he says here. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot? That's rough when your name has a the after it. It's not, it's not the great or the wonderful or, you know, the contractor. It's the harlot, the prostitute. Was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Rahab was a prostitute. In Joshua chapter 2, she took in two Jewish spies who came in to check out Jericho, and she put her faith in God, and her belief impacted her behavior. She divided the command of the king of Jericho. She helped the spies at great risk of personal harm. And it's one thing to say, I believe in God, and it's another thing to act like it. Because she knew if she did this and she got caught, she'd be put to death. But she also had come to know God and knew, this is what God wants me to do, and I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to honor God. That's called faith. Amen? Lord, give us the faith of Rahab the harlot. Amen? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Spiritless body is dead. Faith without works is dead. So Abraham, the father of the Jews, hard to live up to. But Rahab is another example for us to follow. Again, is belief being seen in your behavior? I know it went over a few minutes. Um, show me some grace, please. So faith that works. True faith produces an action. Someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can that faith save him? Well, he only says he has faith. If he doesn't have works, he doesn't really have faith. An example of dead faith, it produces nothing. You talk a lot, you do little, or you do nothing. A living faith cannot be separated from good works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Guys, we can't see faith without works. We, can't demonstrate, we, we can demonstrate faith by our works. And then the examples of living faith, Father Abraham willing to sacrifice his own son, and Rahab, her faith in God was seen in her actions. If you're here today, I want to encourage you. Knowing about God, okay. But guys, knowing about God's not enough. Is Jesus Christ the priority and passion of your life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You can't get to heaven by good works alone. Good works are fruit of salvation, but they are not the source of salvation. Amen? The Bible does say if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. But we'll know that that's, God will know that's authentic, and you will know that's authentic when your life changes. Because if you pray a prayer, nothing changes. The prayer meant nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. I thank you for everybody's patience today. And I thank you for the word of God. And I, thank, I pray that I, a chapter that I know can be difficult to understand, I pray that it's clearer, that faith without works is dead. It's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that works. May we be people of faith. May we not be people who just mouth the words that say we know you. May we not be people who talk a lot and do little. May we be the people who do little, who, do, who talk little and do a lot for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, you don't need us, but you choose to use us. What a blessing that is. I pray, Lord, if anybody is here this morning that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've been convicted by the message, 
If you can been convicted that maybe you've been playing Christian and maybe you've, you've gone to church, but Jesus is not the priority and passion of your life. You've never fully surrendered your life to him. You may have prayed a prayer and walked an aisle, but you're not a new creation in Christ. The Bible says again, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And if there's sincerity there, your life will change. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that confession right now. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If that's your desire to walk out of your knowing with a sincere heart, that you're born again, that everything's going to change, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, and it's going to change your behavior. If that's your desire, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's a day of salvation. Don't leave here without the Lord. We're all going to stand before God one day. Anybody else? For this one who raised his hand, just pray with me and pray out loud or pray in your heart. God knows your heart. Simply pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Lord, please forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord, help me to walk with you. Help my faith to be lived out every day in the works that it produces. Help me to be the man of God you've called me to be. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, that I have the promise of heaven. Praise your name, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,